when I think of this list, I'm 43 years old today. This is the way I train. Like this is mm-hmm. my list. This is this is it for me. Um, so I am not training for peak performance. You know, every like every now and then something pops up. Like I might enter a Spartan Beast race, or I have a sprint triathlon coming up, or I might want to be doing a a, a three day hike. I'll train for um, four or five weeks for that thing. But generally, these ten is what I am going for. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I'm here with Mr. Ben Bergeron. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you, Patrick. Today, we are going to take on um, your principles for training for longevity. So we've got 10 principles that you've laid out here that you've sent me that we're going to walk through. Um, And I'll I'll list them before we kind of dive into each one. But before we do, I'd love to know, what do you mean when you say training for longevity? Is that is that what we do in CrossFit already? Are we doing? Are we talking about something different than what CrossFit has always done? Is this just another way of maybe articulating what it means to to do GPP? Um, where do we begin? Yeah, so it's a good question. We should define what it is that we are trying to um, to discuss here. In terms of longevity, what we mean by that is essentially prolonging your functional life. So. I'm I'm really disinterested in living to 120 if I'm bedridden at age 60. Hmm. Like that yeah. just is no one's idea of a good time whatsoever. I'm much much more interested in um, saying my final goodbye at 85. But I'm windsurfing in the morning and you know mountain biking in the afternoon and you know still going out to to dinner with my grandkids in the evening, you know, and the next day I'm gone. Like that to mm-hmm. me is longevity. It's not so much about um, how long your life is, it's about maintaining function throughout your life. So if we want to pull in other players of, of factors of longevity, it would bring in the discussion in terms of things um, like the other five factors that we talk about, nutrition, yep. sleep, stress, environment, and so on. This is more about the the functional capacity of your body um, and maintaining your life um, throughout your life, not losing your life, but keeping your life. That's mm-hmm. when, you know, people don't go to, we talked about this before, but the difference is the medical definition, the medical definition of health, which is the absence of disease, and our definition of health, which is fitness, which is work capacity across broad time mold domains, meaning the ability to do stuff regardless of what it is or how long and short it takes across your entire life. So what we're actually saying is, can you stay fit? This is literally what we're saying when we're saying longevity and health. Can you stay fit as you age? Mm-hmm. That's really what we're chasing here. And it doesn't really matter to me all that much. If you have, if your cholesterol is out of whack, this is going to ruffle some feathers probably, but if your cholesterol is out of whack, if your A1C is out of whack, if your resting heart rate is out of whack, 
Yep. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't matter to me if those things are out of whack, if you have this phenomenal capacity, if you're living pain-free, if you can still do the things that you want to do in your life, those actually, it should be flipped. Those are actually the true markers of health. Now, what people are trying to say is if you pop open the hood and you get some readings, we might be able to predict future health issues. And I get that, I do. But what I want to kind of drill home here is having biomarkers out of whack and keeping function and um, your in your lifestyle and activity and strength and vitality and energy. If you have those things, that's really truly the markers of health that we should all be striving for. So that's what we're chasing in this conversation. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that that's not at least right up there with you know, whatever those biomarkers that you listed. It's strange that we don't equally ask like, okay, well, can you get up in the morning? Are you doing the things that you want to be doing? Are you, you know, all that stuff. It's strange that that's not equally as important and equally part of the conversation. Well, because recognize that there's this medical community side of things, which deals with sickness. Yeah. And sickness is um, an aspect of loss of health, but it's not the only aspect of loss of health. The other one is more like what occupational therapists and PT people do. It's it's this um, physical ability side of things. You go to the you go to the hospital because you're sick. You go to the nursing home because you lose capacity. Both of those I'm not interested in. Yeah. So the one we're going to be talking about here a little bit more in terms of our longevity play here. This is centered around your training. This is the ten principles of training that influence longevity. So this is not the 10 principles of increasing longevity. This is about, in terms of your training, your exercise, your movement, what are the considerations you wanna be pulling into play that you wanna be thinking about, that you should be focusing on, that you should be addressing to maintain your functionality throughout your life. Got it, okay. Before we get into them, um, are these, and this might be a question kind of maybe for each one of these, but are these principles, are these ideas, things that are already inherent and practiced within CrossFit as it relates to that idea of GPP? Or is there something in here that you feel like is, I don't know, uh, different, um, unique, or, or, or adding on to what we've always thought about and talked about with CrossFit? You're going to make this sound incredibly uninteresting to all the listeners, but there's nothing new and unique <laughs> that I'm about to say. This is all carried over from other stuff. It is in a different priority list, yeah. and things are highlighted that are not normally highlighted. So yeah. some of these things, these things, this is not like um, I'm pulling anything new out of the universe whatsoever. Yep. These things are all normal principles inside of um, strength, conditioning, training, fitness, I'm just putting them as a um, fun, sexy top 10 that we can discuss and talk about. Um, and some of these top 10s would not carry over to potentially um, like a games athlete or even into, um, into a regular CrossFit gym goer. They would make the list of 20, 30, or 40 for sure. There's nothing new on the list. It's just the top 10 get might, might get moved around a lot because as you age, priorities change and what you should be focusing on changes. It's no longer about can you back squat 450. It's more about can you make it up and down the stairs without falling. Got it. Um, okay, so we will try to make this interesting, even though apparently I just ruined it. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do think it's actually what is interesting is unpacking something that perhaps isn't often unpacked, right? Getting an understanding of, well, why is it that – why is it like this? Why do we do that? And picking out the reasons um, – 
uh, inside of that. So uh, I'm excited to get into this list. So we've got 10 of them. The first one is don't exceed physical or psychological tolerance. So again, this is nothing new, but this is needs to be highlighted. This has to be kind of the first and foremost. This is in a consideration, especially for newbies in the gym, but for um, for the senior population or people that were trying to work through um, longevity. And by the way, when I think of this list, I'm 43 years old today. This is the way I train. Like this is my mm. list. This is this is it for me. Um, so I am not training for peak performance. You know, every like every now and then something pops up. Like I might enter a Spartan Beast race, or I have a sprint triathlon coming up, or I might want to be doing a a, a three day hike. I'll train for um, four or five weeks for that thing, but generally these ten is what I am going for. So this first one, don't exceed your physical or psychological tolerances. What that means is we all have these, and everyone's are different. Yours is different than mine, then it's different than Katrin's, which is different than my mom's. Katrin's physical tolerances are massive, right? You have to push her incredibly hard to get her to um, have a um, like um, real muscle soreness, really kind of um, get her on the floor breathing heavy. Mm-hmm. What we want to do when, with myself and these athletes is we don't need to get there. Katrin will exceed those levels probably a couple times a week where she goes actually above her threshold. What we're trying to do is figure out where your threshold is in exercise science. It's gonna be aerobic threshold, anaerobic threshold, um, lactic threshold. And that threshold is where kind of the magic happens. It is where the loading is high enough, the intensity is high enough that you're making these adaptations and gains, but it's not so high that your um, form, technique, um, or recoverability suffers. Mm-hmm. What we really want to be doing here is training just enough to get an adaptation, but that's it. Just a little, it, it's just a dose. You just need to get enough that there's a slight adaptation and then you're going to save the rest for tomorrow. Whereas Katrin is trying to pull everything she can out of every single day. Now your high school and collegiate athletes are somewhere in between. They're kind of gonna work really hard, but they're gonna push it here and there. What I'm saying is as we get older and we train now for longevity and not for performance, what we should be focusing on is just working. This is gonna sound weird coming from a CrossFit coach that puts people through to win the games. We need to do is train just not that hard. Honestly, it's what it's consistency over everything else. I don't want you to be scared of going to the gym. I don't want you to train so hard that um, you're on the floor for 10 minutes afterwards. I don't want you to be lifting weights that if you feel a little something in your shoulder, dude, that's wrong. Don't do another rep. Whereas Katrin feels something in her shoulder. It, she doesn't even think about it. It's like it, she always feels something in her shoulder. Yeah, and yeah. she might even start the next day feeling something in her shoulder. What I'm saying is if you're feeling something the next day, you're going to totally avoid that. Like maybe, yeah, I see what the programming is. You're just going to do some rowing intervals today. Or you're just going to go for a hike. Or you're just going to take some extra recovery. You do not exceed the physiological or psychological tolerances when you're training for longevity. 
What are, yeah, where in there does the psychological fit in? Because what you just listed, so, a lot of the examples yeah. you just gave, like those to me at least on the surface feel like, okay, those are all in the realm of the physical tolerances. Where where, and how does the psychological fit in there? Yeah, so as um, as we get old, stress matters more. So when mm. you're a young buck kicking it and you're 22 years old, if I dose you with extra stress, whether that's peer-related, school-related, family-related, or training-related, you can recover from that a lot faster. There is no difference from a central nervous system's perspective in terms of the stress that you're enduring, whether it's through your relationships or anything else. It's stress is stress. What I don't wanna do is stress you, even psychologically. If you are nervous and scared about the workout going into it, dude, we've mm. done too much. This You don't need to overcome fear in the training life cycle for longevity. That's not part of the ball game. If I have a 22-year-old or particularly even like a 17, 18-year-old, that's a big part of it. This is training for life. You're going to have hard things in your life. You have to use the gym as the microscope to highlight um, things that are going to happen outside the walls of the gym. And we're going to get you to deal with that fear. <laughs> for a 62-year-old, if they're like, I don't think I should get underneath that, that back squat, like, yes, then you should not get underneath that back squat. You are absolutely right. You should not. We're not going to push you past psychological tolerances. If someone says, you know, you're like, so we're going to do this workout. It's um, it's a thousand meter row, and um, we'd like to see you come in under three thirty. And they're like, under what? You're like, right there. That should be a telltale sign as a coach. Like, okay, we've exceeded. They're not ready for that. Mm. We don't need to do that at that point. If I have a 22 year old, it's yeah. I said three thirty. <laughs> and we might set them up for failure and they might not be able to do it. Cool. We have a discussion about what failure looks like. What is failure? You did not fail as long as you maintained your effort and all those things. That's not part of this discussion for me in terms of training for longevity. The risk reward is not there. Very interesting. Okay. Number two is emphasize range of motion. Okay, so as we get older and we start to lose capacity in our lives, one of the first things that goes is this um, range of motion. So just think about everyday experiences, um, <clears throat> you know, putting on your socks, getting mm -hmm. up and off the toilet, um, um, lying down and standing up, putting something on, you know, a piece of a, a t-shirt on over your head, reaching for something above your head, um, picking down and picking up a pencil, all of those we take for granted as part of everyday life. As we age, we start to lose functional ranges of motion. So mobility, flexibility, you start to lose that capacity. What we want to do, I, you, don't, you don't need to be able to do splits and you don't need to be able to like, um, you know, put your you know, heel behind your head. I don't, need, I don't need excessive ranges of motion. What we do need to do though is exercise and train to preserve ranges of motion that are required in everyday life. And to me, this is actually number one. I know a lot of people like mm. to put loading up there. Some people might put you know, cardio up there, whatever it might be. This to me is the most important thing. If you think about what decrepitude looks like for most people, it becomes this really shortened gait where people can't walk with normal steps. They create it kyphosis, which is this massive ro rolling over of the shoulders. Um, they, 
they lose capacity in their hips. They can no longer um, go down and pick things up off the ground. If they fall off the ground, I'm sorry, that'd be amazing falling <laughs> off the ground. If they, <laughs> they, they go into space, if they fall to the ground, they're unable to get back up, not necessarily because of strength, mostly because of range of motion. Mm. They can't get their feet and their legs to where they're supposed to be. And that's not a strength thing. That's actually a, a, a range of motion thing. So to me, training to maintain range of motion throughout the body becomes the number one priority um, in terms of what we're trying to do. Now, I'm not saying yoga becomes number one. I like yoga. I do yoga. I'm a fan of yoga. Um, you doing yoga seven days a week and nothing else is not going to help you with the longevity play. Mm. You adding yoga in once or twice a week could be a massive improvement. Or you're doing Ramwad or Gowad or you're doing Kelly Sorette stuff or whatever it might be could be a huge play into this. Um, it doesn't need to be excessive. I'm not looking for Cirque du Soleil or Circus Freaks, just mm -hmm. normal everyday function. Got it. Number three is train with loads. So this is um, weight bearing. This is lifting weights. Yep. Now, what most people, um, as they get older, they start doing things like walking. And that's great. I'm a big fan of walking. They should continue to walk. The thing that gets missed is this um, strength training aspect of this. One of the major correlates to longevity in life and health is muscle mass. People that can maintain muscle throughout their life live better lives with better function. We want to make sure for a lot of reasons, for bone density, um, for um, um, just being able to move external loads and be able to live your everyday life, we need to be able to preserve some levels of strength. We're going to get to this kind of later on, but what I'm, I, I really like is um, strength through like normal type um, big movements. So, mm. you know, this is not like grab the, the, the three pound, you know, fuzzy dumbbells and do like little curls. This is not like sweating to the oldies, Richard Simmons, or like the water aerobics type stuff. What I'm saying is do squats. Now, mm. if you can't, you know, do. You know, this also gets you back to the range of motion aspect. The little curls and water aerobic stuff that is not going to get you range of motion. It's not going to get you weight bearing what we actually want out of this. Try train the big primary lifts and primary movers. Dead, squat, press. If you're going to pick three things, those are the three things to do. Fourth one is think movement and not muscles. So it kind of just alluded to this, but what we want to be thinking about is um, when people start doing a strength training program, they generally go like, okay, I'm going to do something that trains my biceps. And this is, I mean, mm -hmm. this is CrossFit 101 right here, but yep. I'm going to train some, I mean, I'm going to do chest stuff and now I'm going to exercise my legs and I'm going to do, um, you know, something that works my, uh, my lats. Forget about that stuff. Train things that you, movements, think pushing, think pulling. Think squatting, lunging, jumping, jumping, like jump, like think like movements, um, running, think like um, sitting up, getting off the ground, getting back up. Those are the things we want to be training. The, your body does not know muscles. I'll say it again. Your body and physics does not know muscles. It doesn't matter. What it does know is movements. We need to train movements to preserve movement. Mm. Next one is exercise on your feet. 
these all have nice segues in from one into the next. So yeah. as I kind of just alluded to, like when we do our exercise and we do our strength training, I would, if you're going to choose something cardio, quote unquote cardio, mm-hmm. um, we've talked enough about that on the podcast with it, but traditional cardio, um, I, I want, I'd rather people standing up. So I love the rower. I love the bike. I would have rather have people run. Like, I know that sounds weird for longevity, but running to me, yeah, but isn't that weight bearing is going to bust up your knees, your ankles? Yeah, I'm not, remember, within the physical and psychological tolerance, I'm not saying go run 10K tomorrow, but I would rather have you go run 200 meters than row 200 meters. Mm-hmm. I want you on your feet. I'd rather have you doing standing presses overhead than bench presses. Bench presses, you are lying down. I'd rather have you do, um, um, cleans than I would have you doing, um, uh, I'm trying to think like a globo gym, uh, you know, like don't sit down basically is what I'm trying to say. Don't sit mm-hmm. down. You, you, what you need to do is be able to, it's Kelly starts, you know, sitting is the new smoking. They mm-hmm. actually, it's amazing when they started outlawing, um, outlawing, I don't know if that's the right word not allowing smoking inside uh, corporate office buildings. Yep. They actually found that a handful of the smokers got fitter than the people, the, the non-smokers. Because the smokers Walking. would, yes, it's exactly <laughs> right. They would get out of their desk. This They would get out of their desk and walk down the hall, down the stairs, outside the building, go outside and smoke their cigarette and then walk back in. That actual act of walking did more benefit than the harm of smoking. I mean, it's just incredible. That's a, that's mm. a mind blowing kind of um, you know sociological phenomenon. But the idea behind that is standing up. We need you to experience your life. Good job, Patrick. You're standing right now. I'm sitting, Same. so uh, <laughs> you're doing a much better job of this than I am. Um, but when we exercise, prioritize standing up things. So I get it. Like you could do seated military press, do it standing. You could do seated um, um, bicep curls, do them standing. I'm not saying you have to go so far as like stand on a BOSU ball or, you know, be tight roping while doing these things. It's not the extremes, it's the normal everyday stuff. And what that does is it puts your whole body on notice. Your whole body will work. If you are pressing 15 pound dumbbells above your head, your whole body will work throughout um, to make sure that that movement is getting executed. The second you sit down, you're shutting off a major part of the body. The second you lie down, you're shutting off even more. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of harkens back to the, uh, like you like you said, it harkens back to the last one, which think movement, not muscles, right? And sitting down is to, is usually known, like to, so you can isolate It'd it, be right? isolating stuff, yeah. exactly, yep. yeah. Yeah. But, um, okay, next one. Uh, the next two are actually similar, but we'll do one at a time. Optimize hip function. Okay, so in terms of your whole body, if you were to try to figure out like what to focus on. So we've kind of gone through these things like, okay, don't work out too hard, don't take any steps back, don't do that. Um, work through a full range of motion, like I got it. Okay, use some weights, um, don't think about isolating movements, actually lift the whole thing, stand, you know, do it standing up. Okay, the next thing, if you're gonna focus and prioritize on something would be your hips. Mm. So the hips are kind of like, you can include your core into this, right? But the idea is if, you, if you're gonna do those few things, those four things, and you're gonna pick a movement, pick a movement that focuses on your hips. So like a mm. deadlift, a squat. 
Those things are gonna give you the biggest bang for your buck. Now you think about sound hip function. It's important to recognize what function means because that word just gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Yep. In terms of function, what we mean is the ability to move large loads, large distance quickly. Function means the ability to express power. Power is work divided by time. Work is large is is distance divide is um, load times distance. So what that means is I know I just threw a lot of stuff. Is so I'm gonna break it down. <laughs> I'm gonna make it real simple. What that means is lift weights. So sound hip function. What does what does sound hip function mean? First off, you need it for everyday life more than anything else. If you you can't get if you fall down the ground, you can't get up if you don't have sound mm-hmm. hip function. You can't put on your socks and you can't get off the toilet. It means if you lose the ability for sound hip function, you're in the nursing home. Okay, how do we train that? Function, large load, large is quickly. Work divided by time. What that means is you have to lift weights. Okay, you can use your body weight, that's okay, but it helps if you have an external load through a big range of motion and then do it not slowly. So this is not just holding one position like a plank. I'm not saying it's a bad movement. We can add that into the repertoire. But I would much rather have you do a deadlift than a plank because mm-hmm. it's through a range of motion. And that's going to actually transfer better to everyday life stuff. Yes, don't hear me saying I'm not saying core stability matter doesn't matter. When you're training through sound hip function, you are learning how to hip hinge. Hip hinge involves midline stabilization, meaning that your torso does not move at all. It's resisting the forces that want to flex, extend, or rotate. And your core is working very hard to keep that intact. From there, you are able to create motion through the hip joint and then subsequent muscles as well. It is essentially core to extremity movement patterns. Mm-hmm. If you think about the way you um, swing a baseball bat, throw a punch, um, clean a barbell, row a boat, run, it all happens through these core to extremity movements with the hips, you know, particularly posterior chain being glutes, hamstrings, and lower back, when those things are functioning correctly, most of the rest of the system is um, able to be optimized. If those things are missing, you're not gonna be able to optimize the rest of the system. Mm. I know that, that, is- was jargon, that was jargony and a lot of exercise science stuff. And apologies for that. <laughs> Next one is similar, optimize shoulder function. Okay, so after, so we have we have a bunch of things. You have your wrists, you have your elbows, yep. you have your knees, you have your ankles, you have your toes, you have your fingers, you have your neck. You have a lot of different things that we could be looking for. Um, the next thing after me for after hip, and I'm going to include that core stabilization in hip, is shoulder function. If you think about what people end up losing a lot in everyday life is that ability to extend their arms completely over their head. Now, again, mm-hmm. we have to bring in that word function. So we're going to do this with loading. So can you take a five-pound dumbbell? Now, the crazy part is there's a lot of 35-year-olds that can't do this. There's a lot of 25-year-olds that can't do this. When you bring a dumbbell above your head, are you able to get your bicep to touch your skull behind your ear? That is the overhead position. And then lock out your elbow completely. If your elbow is bent, that doesn't count. If your elbow is straight, 
but it's out to the side, that doesn't count. If it's touching your head, but not behind your ear, that doesn't count. What we're looking for is sound overhead positioning. And when you're able to do that, and you have that hip function, man, it's gonna make your life a lot more enjoyable. Because now, you don't have to ask somebody in the airport, you know, remember we used to fly on airplanes back before this whole I weird time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to put something up in the overhead compartment for you because you have sound shoulder function. You're able to move loads through a range of motion and you don't have to ask the 18-year-old sitting next to you to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, question about the last two before we, we jump into the, the next ones. Um, because those those feel kind of specific to me in, in ways that the other ones aren't. The hip the the yeah. hip and the shoulder functions. If you recognize that you are not um, efficient in either one of those, right? You know yep. either one or both that that's a that's a real struggle for you. Do you like where do you prioritize or how would you prioritize starting to fix that? Is it additional work? Is it, okay, let's stop doing um, CrossFit programming. Let's do something else. Is it just the introduction of um, stuff like Kelly Storette's um, programming? Or like, how do you start to tackle those? No, it's a great question. Um, so to you, you identify uh, an area of need. How do we get better at it? And um, your suggestion of do we stop CrossFit and start doing Kelly Storette or something else? Um, the answer to that is, 100, and Kelly would be the first one to tell you this, definitely, definitely not. The best way to get better hip function is to work the hip function in the functional movement pattern. What we don't want to do is isolate it out. And then now if you have an extreme um, um, area of need, you have a um, a completely bound up area because of some scar tissue or a previous injury or something like that. Yes. Like let's work and spend some time restoring quality functioning to that, those, that muscular area. Um, if you have bone on bone, if you have some sort of abnormality in, um, in the structural system, um, yes, we might need to do something to alleviate that. But what I would like to see people do is actually the reason CrossFit works so well is because it is all functional movements. All movements are prioritized around these things. So what Mm -hmm. we'd want you to do is with the appropriate loading, and for most people that might be a barbell, let's let's take the overhead position one. What I want you to do is not abandon CrossFit, but when it's time and everyone else in the class or in the, your program, it pops up that it is uh, 10 jerks with 135 pounds and you realize, oh my gosh, I failed that test. I can't do that. Instead of continuing to do the 10 jerks, but your elbows stay locked out or the bar gets pressed out in front of you, instead of doing those at 135, bring it back down to an empty barbell, go up to that end range of motion as far as you can. So press it up till your elbows are locked out, then work it behind you as far as you can, and then hold it overhead for three to five seconds every single time. Mm -hmm. Now that's gonna take you between 30 and 50 seconds probably similar to what 10 jerks at 135 might have taken you. Maybe you're taking a break in there. And now we're actually really starting to grease the groove and make improvements. The other one, what we're doing is we're just trying to, it's probably mostly an ego thing or we're trying to get fit. Mm. And I get, I, I get it, I get it. But what we need to do is start training for longevity and it's gonna be the range of motion is way higher up on that list than 
the potential um, max loading or cycling a barbell. Got it. So it takes okay. a little bit of um, a little bit of um, awareness. It takes a little bit of perspective in terms of what am I training for. Um, and it certainly takes a little bit of humility in terms of like, today's not the day I'm going to race people. I'm just going to try and get better. Mm. Yep. Okay. The next one is incorporate horizontal displacement. Okay. So that's a fancy word for move things um, from A to B. Mm. So the, the most simple form of horizontal displacement is walking. The next most uh, is jogging and then running. Um, from there, it becomes you add in loads. And that could be things like farmer's carries. It could be things like bear hugs. It could be like rucks. It could be um, um, overhead carries. It could be lunges. It could be prowler pushes, sled pulls. Um, but what we do in life, if you think of the most functional thing that we need, it's probably an argument between somewhere between um, being able to go from a seated position and standing. The next one is probably be able to move from A to B. Mm-hmm. I think those would be those would be the really good argument of like what is the most um, important aspects of the body's um, what do you as necessities in movements. The next one I would say I would probably say is that overhead thing. But to me that is what is can you get up off you know from a seated position standing? Okay, now from there can we move from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of just pure fitness to be gained out of those type of movements. Having um, people at any level push a prowler is such a phenomenal, um, you're on your feet, you're moving large loads, large distance quickly, you're not gonna most likely exceed your physical and psychological tolerances, you can load it, like lots and lots and lots and lots of good stuff there. Basically what we're doing with this horizontal displacement stuff is, gate training, but it's kind of like fancy gate training, which is like, are you getting better at walking? <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. um, if you're really good at walking, carrying 50 pound dumbbells in each hand, walking without 50 pound dumbbells in your hands gets a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like horizontal displacement is a big, cool thing for a lot of um, um, people trying to maintain that longevity play. Mm. One of my least favorite things in CrossFit is running with a med ball. Oh, it's, uh, I'll tell you one worse is running with a plate. I don't know if I've ever done that. Oh, it's so bad. So when you're running yeah. with like a 45 pound plate, a yep. med ball at least is like squishy. It bangs your head, yeah. squishy. Yeah. It doesn't hurt your shoulder. It's squishy. Running with a plate, it's um, every place you put it, you <laughs> so quickly decide that it's not the right place. And then you move it to another place. And within five seconds, you're like, this is not the right place. So you hold it here. You're like, this is definitely not the right place. Yeah. And you just spend the entire time trying to figure out what the right place is. And the, the shortcut, the, the, the punchline is there is not a good yeah. place. Yeah. One of the first competitive events we did, um, I don't know if you remember, I think you were here, was um, 800 meter run. Uh, was it 800? It was 800 meter run. It might have been a mile, um, but let's call it 800 meter run, 800 meter run with a 45 pound plate, 800 mm-hmm. meter run, mm-hmm. which is just, it was just terrible. Yeah. Fun. I'll have to do so that it's a soon. mile and a half carrying a, a plate in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay. The next one on our list is vary your training. Okay, so this is um, we don't need people to become good gym monkeys. Like you don't need to. This is not for performance. Um, what the only reason we are in the gym is to get good at outside everyday activities. So I could care less if somebody's um, um, 
how much they can clean and jerk if if they if they don't have other capacities outside the gym. Basically what happens with this is we don't need to do a lot of any one thing. We can change it up a lot. So this um, th- this constant variance aspect of GPP programming gets even more highlighted through the longevity play. Because mm. we, um, we just need to train enough to kind of create an adaptation and we can move on. And it doesn't matter if someone's doing um, one arm presses today, um, push-ups the next day and you know burpees the next day it's like you don't need they're not going to compete in the open they don't need to just keep changing it up all the time um we fail at the margins of our existence and what we don't want people to do is and we know we can keep this we don't have to go crazy with this i said before it doesn't have to be bosu balls and tight ropes and it doesn't have to be the crazy crazy stuff Mm -hmm. um but just enough variance that we're trying to create as much exposures to as much different things as we possibly can now, the one caveat to that would be um, people like to see progress. So if you have an elderly client that's coming to you looking to create longevity, it is kind of nice to stick with a few weeks of the same thing so that they can see early wins. Mm. Wow, I couldn't do that two weeks ago. I can't believe I can do that now. If you change it up so much so that they never get to come back and have the touches on the things and see the progress, it can just look like this constant learning curve with no real growth. So you have to intermix these things a little bit, but um, it's more for the psychological aspect that you would keep the the consistency more so than anything else. Okay, last one is respect progressive overload and intensity. Yeah, so when you're um, early on in your training career, if we're training for performance, these two things are massive. Um, progressive overload is the way you're going to get better. You know, basically every week, every month, you're trying to increase um, your work. Now that's your load, that's the distance, that's something. Basically, it what it equates to is the next piece of that is intensity. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to be able to do is increase your ability to do work every single time. That's the that's the goal of the gym. What we have to realize is that at a certain point, you know, I'm in this boat. I'm not looking to set PRs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like in in anything. I'm not trying to run my fastest mile, and I'm not trying to um, back squat the most or do as many um, muscle ups as I ever had before. I have to respect progressive overload. I have to respect the potency of intensity. We say that intensity is the shortcut to results. It's an independent variable, most commonly associated with favorable adaptations. That can be um, a double-edged sword. If it kind of goes back to that, it just, this is a, a loop all the way back to our very first one. Mm-hmm. If we don't respect progressive overload, meaning that we try to do it at all cost and or relative intensity and we try to go too hard, we're going to exceed our psychological and physical, physiological, and physiological, <laughs> psychological and physiological tolerances. That was a mouthful. Mm-hmm. In order to do this, we are still, we are not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying these things aren't there at all. So I'm not saying never track your results, don't yep. work hard. What I'm saying is take it all with a grain of salt. And if you don't PR, for months, for quarters, for a year, if you never PR again, that's not the end of the world. It all depends on what your starting point was 
And the goal might be, so let's say you're catching David Zotter. Catching David Zotter at age 77 is not going to be doing what she is right now. We have to embrace this harsh reality, be extreme realists and realize there is a level of decrepitude that is creeping into all of us. At a certain point for some of us, it might be more about preservation. It might even be about slowing the process down Mm -hmm. more so than it is making gains. If, now here's the other side, if you come into this training from a deconditioned and a decrepit state, we can work with relative intensity and progressive overload, and we could see gains potentially for up to 10 years before we see the plateau, and then we go to preservation mode again. Mm-hmm. The saying is, if you um, find CrossFit at a, um, a deconditioned state, basically unhealthy, regardless of age, we can give you 10 years of gains. Now, the flip side of that is if you are coming to us with already conditioned, already potentially world-class abilities, it's, um, it's not realistic for anybody to be able to expect to maintain that capacity throughout their lifetime. Mm-hmm. There it becomes slow down the process. At worst, at best, preserve for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I started the conversation. That that was our that was your your ten principles there, and I started the conversation just asking, kind of get a, a little sense of like how much of this um, was embedded inside of what CrossFit is, what CrossFit programming is, what what the pursuit of GPP is. And I'm curious, and I know it's hard, always hard to generalize, but if you had to pick maybe one or two where you feel like you've seen CrossFit uh, as a whole, maybe go off the path or misunderstand this or not pursue this in the, it, to the degree that you think they should? Is there one or two that you feel like uh, if we just kind of collectively as a community put a little bit more emphasis on this or that, we'd all be better for it? Yeah, it, yes. Um, it would be that exact list in that exact order. I'm mm. not being coy. Uh, it would literally be, I think that the number one thing people are not doing is recognizing that you do not want to exceed the psychological or physiological tolerances of our athletes if we're going for longevity. What people do is that people are 46 years old. They have no interest in their performance. They have no interest in the games. They have no interest in the open and they're smashing themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the number. That's the number one thing we do not want to be doing. Then the next thing is it's all about uh, my PRs, and they don't worry anything about the range of motion that they're actually going through. And in fact, they might be sacrificing range of motion for better scores. And they're not worrying so much about the actual am I getting better for tomorrow. They're worrying about the scoreboard. Hmm. Got it. That, um, I mean, so it kind of goes through the list. That's that's kind of like the. Um, but that first one is definitely the number one. That's I, the one number one thing that I think is being butchered. You know, another one might be um, as I'm saying that along embedded in that um, exceeding tolerances is volume. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of um, inherent in that that I didn't mention. But you know, you have these athletes that are training now, quote unquote, they say for longevity, yet they're doing three or four training sessions a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they, and they're and or let's take this out of the CrossFit space. They're running um, 45 miles a week. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's um, I, I love it. You're active. You're probably healthier than not running at all. I would take that for sure. Yeah. Um, but 
it sounds, it looks to me like either there's a, um, an addiction to training mm. or, um, or you're training for performance. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Those were your 10 principles for training for longevity. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who listens and sends us notes and leaves ratings and reviews. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.